0: We're going to talk about the ABCs of it, right up to the XYZs of it, the hardships and sometimes the E's of it, up the I's and cross the T's of it. Welcome to Alphabet My Life, with me, John Courtney, and my wife, Emma. Hello and welcome to episode three of Alphabet My Life. We are up to letter C. I'm here with Emma. Hi. And today, the letter C is going to be, well, it was just going to be cancer, but I thought that might scare people off. So we're doing cancer and comedy, which often go hand in hand. Um, it's certainly how I dealt with a lot of it anyway. So um, to cut a long story short, to give you a bit of background, if you don't know, um, one in two of us will go through cancer in our lifetimes. That's the new statistic it used to be one in three. I remember that scared the hell out of me when I was younger, convinced it I was going to be one in the three. And then I don't know when it came down to one in two. Um, so I was one of those two um, during my Britain's Got Talent uh, experience. It all kind of coincided, which we mentioned a bit in episode two when we talked about Britain's Got Talent. I think the main reason I want to I want to talk about it is because that was the best thing that I did.
1: What was the best thing you did? Talking about it. Okay.
0: Um, sometimes to you, but then I didn't sort of want to burden you with everything. So Macmillan put me in touch with a therapist and uh, I spoke mm. to a therapist about it. And actually, I wish I'd done it earlier because it, it sort of got my head on straight. And help me to deal with it. So I'm sorta of jumping ahead of myself anyway. Um yeah, the the fact that it all coincided and we I should just say that we didn't Britain's got talent would love a love a sob story. They, they they love getting a bit of background and making it emotional.
1: I mean they do it on the voice, they do it on quite a few different things and they go, This is such a buddy, hi, I'm such a buddy Then the sad music starts and you get this backstory of I used to rob people and now I've come out the other side and I always forward it I'm like and really just do what you need to do. We don't need to hear about all that.
0: Well you are, you are they encourage you to talk about it because they're making a TV show at the end of the day. I mean I do I understand it. It it makes yeah, it, it, it makes for it good well. it makes for good TV I'm just but you
1: saying as a viewer. I always forward all that. I don't need to know all that.
0: Yeah, but not everybody does. Some people want some people fall for it. Not that it's a trick, but some people want that drama to go along. I mean, I watched a talent show when there used to be talent shows. when you used to have opportunity knocks and new faces.
1: Yeah, and you didn't know anything about. No, them.
0: it was just about the talent. You came out, you he did what you did. From
1: Manchester, he's a fine man and he can sing. Let's yeah. have you.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I did. I did prefer that. But what Simon Cowell's doing is he's making a. He's not. He's not making a talent show. He's making a television show, and so yeah. he wants the drama. He wants to. And I get that, and I knew that going into it. And but I was also determined. Um, I was uh, for my audition. We didn't know anything about the um, the mole. I just knew I had this mole, and uh, I should have got it checked out because it did all three things that they say. Any one of these things is a warning sign. If a mole suddenly appears out of nowhere, if it's a dark colour.
1: Sorry, I keep seeing a little fairy mole with big feet. <laughs>
0: Sorry. Excellent. And that's why it's cancer and comedy. Yeah, good. <laughs> if, if a little mole suddenly appears in your garden...
1: My mum had a mole in the kitchen once. <laughs> she did. She had a cat for
0: And they're really small. I remember the first time I saw a mole, a garden mole, I, I was amazed how small they are because they leave these huge mounds oh, of earth.
1: They're aren't
0: they? Yeah. And yet they're little too, they've got these huge paddly feet. And <laughs> Anyway, I didn't discover... <laughs> I didn't discover a small garden mole on my head. I just... Discovered... <laughs> This small skin blemish appeared. Um, So, yeah, if it suddenly appears, if it's darker in colour or or different colours or it's a weird shape, any of those three things, uh, any one of those three things, you should get it checked out. And this mole suddenly appeared. It was a dark colour and it was a weird shape. And I ignored it. Yeah, I I ignored it. Um, I remember I was working on a cruise ship at the time. You did
1: ignore it, but you, you just didn't you weren't ignoring it because you were catching it and you were worried about it it's just you didn't get a chance to get to the doctors you were working away. no
0: no 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 i can't use that excuse there's no excuse i mean this my you know i don't believe in regret but when it appeared and because i shaved my head you know every other day or whatever so I, I noticed it as soon as it was there and then as you say, I, I nicked it a couple of times when i was shaving and i made it bleed and I should have. There's no excuse. I mean, every time I saw it, I was like, oh, I must get that checked out. And it was just a phone call. Our doctors are pretty good. They would have got me in, especially with stuff like that. Um, and it was also pre-COVID, because I know that once that all hit, less people were going and getting checked out. And there's all kinds of horrible statistics, um, like breast cancer cases were down over 40 percent during COVID. and. You know, your first reaction is yay, but not yay because the reason they were down is because less people were going and getting checked out because they thought COVID was more important and doctors were overworked with that, so they shouldn't go and get lumps and moles checked out. So, but I've got, I haven't got that excuse because this was January 2020. Um No, I just put it off, and yeah, oh, I was, I was words, working away.
1: Those numbers make me shiver. Twenty twenty. Twenty twenty.
0: It was such a weird time. Yeah, good and bad. So yeah. Anyway, I, I want this. I want this episode to sort of be a lesson to people as well. If you're listening to this and you have a new mole or a lump or anything you're concerned about, just call your doctor. Um, you know, for what a twenty minute, half an hour consult, not consultation, but trip there, chat to them, leave. It's worth it. And if I'd have just gone as soon as this was noticed, they'd probably cut it out, and that would have been the end of it. But I didn't. That was in January. And then fair enough, I did the audition at the end of January um, and then things kind of went a bit crazy because although it wasn't broadcast until April, obvi- obviously the uh, the golden buzzer happened and, and it all got a bit crazy. But still, every time I shaved my head, I was like, oh, I must call my doctor. That's my dog scraping at the door, actually. Sorry, we're going to have to let them in because they're going to keep scratching at the door and you're going to hear it on the, on the podcast. Hang on a sec. <laughs> right, we've let the dogs in. Who let the dogs in? Um, you, you, you. you. Have, <laughs> thanks for finishing that. We have two little shih tzus and they have to be with us all the time. They have anxiety issues, separation issues. Hi, so baby. we've covered moles and shih tzus. So, yeah, that was... Um, I didn't go to the doctors and then BGT took off. And we're, But when I finally went, it was, I think, June or July. And uh, by then... Covid had happened, and I had been broadcast, and it was all it all sort of coincided. The mole, they they first they first saw the mole, and they said we don't like the look of that. Uh, we're going to remove it, and that happened quite quick. Even though it was still Covid, um, well, Covid had just begun really. It was around June time, um, and they said we're going to cut it out. And I think it was 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 within a couple of weeks they referred me to a dermatologist specialist, went in, local anaesthetic, and they cut the mole out. Um, and then you got to wait for it, the biopsy and all those details, and that took a couple more weeks. And by now, you know, we were well into the depths of COVID and lockdown. And um, and then the results came back, and this guy called me in who I'd never met before, the dermatologist. And he had the, I suppose he had a bedside manner which some people appreciate. Like if you're giving bad news, some people want you to be serious and talk. Like Jeremy Vine does on his Radio 2 program when he's got somebody on the a, a subject that's emotional, he he puts his sort of sad, caring voice on it. Sounds so fake. And this guy called me and he said, uh, Jonathan, I have to tell you. And he got his chair really close to me and he was a big fat guy and and I almost started laughing because it was too tense. The atmosphere was, you know, what I'm like. It was it was too. I knew what he was going to say. The just the way he said. Jonathan, I I have to tell you, and he he dragged it out, and it took so long. I almost wanted like a brass band to start. Playing. It was the weirdest feeling, because I don't I don't like tension, you know. Even if I'm the one that the tension's being caused in aid of sort of thing, I don't know. It was it was weird. And then he took ages to say it, and he said, "I'm afraid it is cancer." And the way he said it, I thought his next line was going to be, "You've got two weeks to live." I mean, he was being so serious about it, and yet I also knew that if you catch moles and melanomas early enough, it's the easiest cure, it's the quickest fix, the most successful cure. Um, but of course, I'd left it for however many months. And by then we didn't know this at the time, but by then it, it had gone quite deep. Um, it was a stage three melanoma. And I forget how deep they said it was, but it was a point eight of a millimetre. I think anything over point five is intermediate or something. So Anyway, well, this was weird as well, because I remember coming back from the hospital and you obviously knew that I'd gone to get the results and on the drive back. I seriously considered not telling you and just getting on with it and dealing with it. But of course, I wasn't that brave in in, in my head. I could do that because because of your dad. Well, that was the main reason, because your dad died of an undiagnosed melanoma, which he left too late on his finger. Um, So stupid. Isn't yeah, it? and just... that
1: was misdiagnosed by his doctor. My dad was a whole different story because he died a very painful, long, horrible death.
0: Yeah. And I knew all that, and I knew how much it affected yeah. you. So
1: went through so much with my dad. Yeah, because you knew all that. You didn't want me involved in this, but...
0: Well, part of it. I mean, literally, that lasted the, the time it took me to drive home. Because then I walked in the front door, and you were stood in the kitchen. And I walked in, and I saw your face, and I just crumpled. Because nowhere I was going to be able to hide it. I, I, I was sort of still planning to, I think, when I walked in. And then I saw you look at me. Um, you know, and you're my best mate, so I, of course, I was going to tell you. And I, and I remember at the time we were having that build, the building work done. Do you remember? Yeah. yeah. We we had this, <laughs> we had this. This is why you got to laugh. We had we had. I was converting our garage into the studio that we're sat in now, and uh, I'd taken the garage door off. I'm you know, I'm fairly handy with a bit of DIY, so I'd done most of it myself. But I've never tried laying bricks before. Um, <laughs> in hindsight, I should have done because I'd have done a better job. And I got this bricky around who'd been recommended by somebody, this young guy.
1: I said to you, I said, have you looked at any reviews, any work that he's done? No, because you're such a trusting person. Um, <laughs> and, and along he comes. First of all, he said, can you, can you give me a lift? And you're like, oh, he says, well, I've only got one eye.
0: I'm not allowed to drive. I've only got one try. eye.
1: That should have been a warning sign. I know,
0: then. I know. <laughs> But then I thought, well, you know, if you're if you're looking at a straight line, you close one eye anyway. If you're trying to line something up, you close one eye to to make. So I thought, well, that maybe it's a benefit. He hasn't, so he's not going to forget. End. And then he, yeah, he showed up, and then he started. He, you know, gave me a quote, and the quote was okay. And he said he'd done been bricklaying for five years and all this stuff. And like yeah, like you say, I did trust him. Um, and then and then he asked to borrow my spirit level. That was the second clue. He was a brick. <laughs> See, when I talk about it now, it sounds ridiculous. He was a brickie that had one eye and didn't own his own spirit level. Um, so, yeah, he he basically built the wall up at the front of the house. He ballsed it up, basically. Big time balls it up. Um, and he was a lovely guy, bless him. But, um, no, he did, he did an awful job. And, you know, I hate confrontation. And I knew I was going to have to. He, he was sort of just finishing the job. And I'd been out to look at it um, before I went to hospital that day, actually. And I was like, oh, my God, this does not look good. I mean it was it was even to the naked eye it was horrible, wasn't it? It was yep. it was apps abso- I could have done a better job but I've never laid a brick in my life. So that was playing on my mind that I was gonna have to confront this guy and say, I'm really sorry, you're gonna have to do it again kind of thing. And then I came back with that news. Um and yeah, I saw I I lost it a bit. Well, I lost it a lot, really. I I I cried a lot and you were giving me a hug. And then you got my mate Jamie to call me, which I only found out about quite a long time afterwards.
1: That was when you found out that um it was cancerous. Yeah, it was cancerous, and that it had spread.
0: No, it wasn't. No, no, was no. That the first time that was the first time they hadn't they hadn't found out it. it spread. Yeah,
1: because you just did not want to tell anybody, anybody. No, I
0: didn't. I was really because by the, so by now it was June, and my audition for BGT was broadcast in April, and it was going crazy. I mean, I'd done Richard, not Richard and Judy. I'd done <laughs> <laughs> my I'm god, old school. Phil and yeah. Holly. Sorry, Phil and Holly. I'd you know I'd been on this morning, and I'd done Lorraine, and it was all virtual. It was all stuff done from. Well, not my studio, because it was still being built, but for my front room. So, you know, it was really exciting. All this, my career was taking off and I'd finally got this big break that I'd been waiting sort of 25 years for. And then to be told that I had this cancerous mole. But I also knew that cancerous moles were easily fixable and that, you know, that they could, once they were cut out, providing it hadn't spread, you know, it, it normally they, they got it and it was dealt with kind of thing. But there was that horrible wait to find out. Um, They said, look, because it's cancerous, we've got to take a five centimetre uh, diameter patch of your skull off your your scalp um, to make sure that it hasn't spread. And then we do what's called a sentinel node biopsy, which means we check the lymph nodes around that area. And if they haven't got any cancer cells in them, then we know that it hasn't spread. That was the deal. So they booked me in really quick for the skin graft operation and this was when I met my consultant uh, Mr. Kosatich Demir Kosatich at Christie's Hospital in Manchester who I mean we could do a podcast on him alone I think he's a brilliant man absolutely brilliant you still haven't met him have you you never actually met him because no, I couldn't
1: because it was COVID and yeah, you had to do all these appointments I couldn't take
0: anybody with me to hospital it was kind of crap um, but yeah Mr. Kosatich is um, isn't it weird that when a, a mister is better than a doctor I didn't I didn't know that did you know this
1: I just thought, all if you were a doctor, you were automatically doctor.
0: You are, but then when you become a, a um, I'm going to get this all wrong, but if you're a, if you're a, a surgeon and and you specialise in a certain thing and you get really good at it, then you become Mister. And Mr. is better than, a, I'm yeah. I'm a Mr.
1: anyway.
0: Yeah, but you become Mr. I don't know how it works. Mr.
1: Mr. Kosatich.
0: Mr. Yeah. Somebody will be listening to this and tell me I'm completely wrong, but somebody told me that anyway, That because I I, I thought when they said it's Mr. Kosatich, I thought, oh, Christ, isn't he even a doctor? <laughs> <laughs> so I said, no, he's a he's a consultant, and he's one of the best in the country. Um, but he was also, uh, he doesn't really watch television, as I say, so good at what he did, thank goodness. I mean, just one of the best in the country at, at what he did, like plastic surgery and, and uh, reconstructive surgery. Um, but he didn't watch television. He had no idea, he didn't didn't even know who Ant and Deck were. I mean, he you know just doesn't watch TV, um, spends all his time learning how to do what he does, thank God. I went for this consultation, and his senior nurse, who was called Emma, uh, an older lady, was, was a big fan, and she'd watch me She'd watched my audition and she'd been following me. So, But, of course, she was very professional at the hospital. And, and it was only after a, um, a while of chatting to me that she sort of quietly said, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really supporting you and I'm a big fan. I think it's fantastic what you're doing on television. And I went, oh, thank you very much. And honestly, I hadn't... When I was going to the hospital, I mean, that's the first time I got papped as well. Do you remember that? Mm. I, I called you because somebody... A nurse came up to me, my first visit to Christie's. And a nurse came up to me and I had my mask on and everything. She came up and she said... Is it you from Britain's Got Talent? Uh, I sort of hesitated because I didn't want anyone to know know what I was going through. I didn't want it to get out on the show and for it to become sort of public knowledge and for them to make it my sob story. So I wasn't telling anybody. And then this nurse comes up and asks to have a picture with me at Christie's. And I was too gobsmacked to say no. So we had had this selfie done, a sort of social distance with this nurse. And then another nurse saw her doing that and she came over and started chatting and it was all new to me as well it was it was nice that people were recognizing me especially as i was wearing a mask everywhere um but at the same time i was i was at this cancer hospital and i still had the semi-finals and all the rest of it to go um anyway i called my manager at the time and told her what happened she said don't worry there are there are um laws about them not using photos and stuff taken in hospitals it's not like the press wouldn't be allowed to run with it or use the story because you're in a hospital Um, So that took a bit of weight off my mind. So, yeah, Mr. Kostic um, is talking about the skin graft he's going to do. And normally when you have a skin graft on your head, it leaves a crater. You get up to sort of a five millimetre dent in the side of your head. You might have seen people with these, I was going to say deformity, but that sounds a bit severe. But that's what it is. Mr. Kostic takes me to one side and says, I understand you're on television. I said, well, yeah, I I have been. Yeah, he said, oh, wonderful. That's that's amazing. Well, Well done. I said, thank you. But in his head, just being on television.
1: Means you're famous.
0: Meant I was hugely famous. Meant I was going to be on television for the rest of my life. In his head, I was as famous as you know, anybody Rick is your ace or Anton Deck or anybody. And I'd only been on once at this point. We hadn't even done the semi finals. So I was sort of like just laughing because, you know. And then he said, Yes, my, my, my nurse told me. He said, Well, presumably, if you're on television all the time, you don't want a big dent in your head. And I remember thinking, Well, even if I wasn't on television. <laughs> I, I don't think I'd want a big dent in my head. Thank you very much. But he said, look, I've been offered this trial skin graft, which is an artificial skin graft, because normally they take skin off your leg. Um, a very thin slice of skin. Oh, it's making me shiver talking about it. A very thin slice of skin. You love all this stuff, don't you? Yeah, well, I love watching it more. Oh, you watch all the hospital. I can't watch it. People being cut open on TV. So normally they take the skin graft off, de- off your leg. And Mr. Kostic said, uh, I've been offered this free, uh, this um trial skin graft, which is normally quite expensive. But I think you'd be the person to trial it on, seeing as you're on television. So it, it was my first celebrity blag. It was the first thing <laughs> that I got, you got because you didn't blag. I didn't blag you it, just it. It just presumed. got off it to me. And uh, and thank goodness he did because it's amazing. I mean, it's you can't you can see the scar, but you, it doesn't He's hasn't no dented dead, my head. Really yeah. Is. So 24th, I was told it's a melanoma, and on the 26th, the semi-finals were broadcast. So that was crazy. It, it was amazing how it coincided all at the same time. So when that was broadcast, obviously I'm doing press again, and I'm, you know, I'm getting offers for work, and I've just been told that that I've that it's that it's cancerous. So oh, yeah,
1: still to this day, when you did that interview for um,
0: BBC West, yeah, BBC, BBC yeah.
1: West, and you were sat there in your lounge, and it was an um, like a a Zoom mm. live show, wasn't it? And you yeah. were there on the screen on the news, and they said so. How's your health? And you, you're like a deer in heaven. I know, right? it really freaked me out. What? Why are they asking about my health? Like they knew.
0: Well, they probably did. This, this is part of that stuff I was saying about they're not allowed to. If I'd have told them, then obviously they'd have gotten exclusive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so they obviously knew something, somebody had leaked to them that I was seen at a cancer hospital or something was going on. But they weren't allowed to break the story because it was cancer and it was a hospital.
1: But they were really pushing you, weren't they?
0: Yeah, yeah. And it really freaked me out because I, I said, oh, I'm fine, thanks. And then the the I can't remember the guy's name. Um, he said, "You know, because we we understand you haven't you haven't been well." And I remember just saying, "Oh no, I've I'm, I had COVID," is what I said, wasn't it? Cause yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I I did have COVID. Or I had COVID, and I was getting over that. Yeah, they. Oh, would de- that was
1: the other thing. That's why you had it, the operation done late because you kept getting bloody COVID. Yeah. And they couldn't operate on you.
0: It got delayed and delayed. God, i would forgotten forgotten most of this stuff actually. So. Yeah,
1: you were booked in for the op, and then you got COVID, and then you couldn't do it because they had to test you the day before and blah blah blah. Yeah, um, it's
0: really strict at the hospital because it's cancer hospital. Yeah. They, it was. It, they had zero cases of COVID within the hospital, and they want to keep it that way, understandably. And then you so. got it again. Yeah. At it twi- yeah, it's pretty horrible. So That took us through to October,
1: and you're like, "Whoa, hang got a minute! You know, you need to do this operation, otherwise, it's going to spread more."
0: Yeah, well, to be fair, Mister Kosicic actually he went to the board of surgeons at the hospital after I think the third time it had been cancelled because I was that was it. I I'd had COVID, and it was like a month later. Yeah, and you I, were I was still, still testing, testing positive. Yeah. yeah. And they'd, they'd proven somewhere in Korea, in South Korea, they'd proven in tests that you could be non-contagious, but you could have the dead cells still in your nose yeah. and they could test positive. So when they put the swab up your nose, it would still test positive even though you weren't positive anymore. Yeah. But it was new to everybody. The hospital wasn't taking the risk. And so Mr. Kostic went to the board of surgeons and said, look, cancer is posing much more of a threat to my patient than COVID ever will. We need to get him in. So at one point they were talking about sneaking me in even though I was testing positive and doing the operation anyway. But then luckily I did test negative, um, but it still took, it took a long time. It, it was, I mean, by then it was, we'd done the finals. I mean, it was, it, we took the, Octo- the finals were done at the beginning of October, 9th of October. So then I'd won and I was still waiting for the, for, the full, for, the, for the big operation. And then of course I'm doing the Zoom call with the Royal Variety producers and we're talking about going on the Royal Variety show. And then we got the BGT Christmas show, which they would they'd ask me to be a part of.
1: Yeah, but it was literally you, you had the operation, and then the the, the literally the day after we went to London. Yeah, and you were still high on drugs. You were still on um you were, the anaesthetic was still in your system. Yeah, so you were still woozy and in pain.
0: I, I still haven't watched that back. It was it was so horrible. We, it took so many takes. When we've, I mean, it is it's on YouTube the, the Christmas show. And I'd written this song for it, and Alfie was involved. He was up on stage, and I'd asked him to make. See, even then we didn't tell anybody because you know it would, it would still be. A, and I didn't know what was going on. I didn't want it to get out, and then
1: yeah, but I did tell Amanda in the end. No, you yeah the you Christmas did Christmas show yeah,
0: but she was really discreet about it because yeah, Amanda yeah. was very sweet. Yeah. <laughs> So I had this big Christmas hat on to cover the scar. Um, so, so I'd had the, <laughs> I'd had the first operation, hadn't I? would had. It the, wasn't
1: the scar you were covering; it was the massive dressing because under the dressing was a sponge. It was the skin graft. Yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. It was
0: really disgusting. So yeah, I, I actually did the raw Variety Show before the operation. The operation yeah, was in did, December. Yeah. So Raw Variety Show was done, um, and then my fifth COVID test was at the th- it was at the end of November. And they said they were going to operate even if I was still positive because it had been delayed so many months by then. And in my head, every day we're delaying, this cancer is spreading somewhere else in my body. And it was, I was in a really weird place. It was, yeah. I mean, I would got this therapist by then with Macmillan. I was talking to her, which did help. But you, because I'm a really optimistic guy. I'm, I'm the guy that makes other people happy. I'm the guy that's upbeat and, hey, everything's going to be OK. And it came to this and it just wiped me out. I be- I became the other guy. I became this pessimistic guy that was convinced I was going to die and, and imagine the worst. And it was absolutely. And that-, that was what was destroying me the thought of, you know, leaving you and the kids and stuff. Um, every time I thought about that, and I was waking up in the night with anxiety attacks, and you were amazing. And I-, I turned to you a couple of times in the middle of the night and just gave you a hug, and you gave me a hug back. And yeah. I've been lying there awake for ages. But it went on for so. And the fact that it all coincided with this amazing. The Royal Variety Show, winning BGT, doing all the television, the BGT Christmas show. You know, I should have been flying high and and I wasn't. um,
1: Plus we were trying to keep as much as possible away from the kids. From the kids
0: as well. Yeah. Yeah. trying not to tell them what was going on um, or how how bad potentially it could be. So yeah, so on the 4th of December, I had the operation and on the 5th, and they told me it'd be two to three weeks to find out if it had spread. That was and the also, thing. also, when
1: you think of skin cancer, you think of like a mole or something, they cut it off and that's that. And but that's that, yeah. It goes deep into your body. You yeah. get it on the skin, but then it goes deep.
0: Well, that's why if, if you go as soon as you notice it, chances are they can cut it out and it hasn't it hasn't gone deep and they'll cut it out, job done. And, you know, in 80% of cases, or I don't know what the statistic is, but if you catch it early, it is the easy. it's the least dangerous form of cancer i understand yeah. yeah but if you leave it like any cancer you know it's um so yeah 4th of december i had the operation the 5th of december I went to record the christmas show with this big christmas hat on and it took so many takes because i was uh, woozy you, were and... up.
1: you were you were up. Yeah. <laughs> horrible
0: and amanda was still at the back with you watching the recording yeah she and was i think i on...
1: to go on to do her song she was all dressed up in a beautiful dress and stuff
0: i think on the third take she just turned to you and said oh dear because she didn't know that And you couldn't bear the fact that she thought I was just Just being a bit shit.
1: Yeah, so I told her. But then she obviously kept that to herself because I said to her, like, nobody knows. He's been going through this all the way through BGT. And she was gobsmacked that you'd kept it quiet.
0: Yeah, she didn't tell anybody. Although at the end of the the recording, so David Williams stood up in the middle of the recording when I went wrong for like the second or third time and gave me this little pep talk because they didn't know. They just thought I was being nervous or just being a bit crap. So David stood up at the judge's desk and gave me this lovely pep talk about how much they all loved me and all supported me and they're all there for me. And I felt, well, I felt a lot of things, but I felt emotional because, you know, I, I hate the thought that they that they were thinking I was just being a bit shit. So once, I, once I'd recorded it and we'd sort of got it, I mean, I wasn't happy with it, but they said, no, it's fine. You know, we can, we can edit it. And I, oh God, I hated it. I got a mouthful of confetti. We sung this song with Anton Deck at the end. Wish it could be Christmas every uh, day. Wish it could be Christmas every day. And I was meant to do the big last note and I got a mouthful of confetti in me gob. So on top of everything else, I couldn't even sing the last note. So I thought we'd do it all again. And the floor manager came out and went, right, that's a wrap. Because bearing in mind, they'd all been there for like 11 hours at this point, recording this huge show. So I walked up to David and Alicia at the end. And I said, um, are you comfortable with, with, you know, gross things on the body? And Alicia went, no. And David went, yes. So I showed them anyway, I lifted up my hat and this sponge, I mean, it looked like Frankenstein's monster. I had this big blue sponge, dome sponge, which is stapled over the top of the skin graft. And you've got blood and gunk oozing into it. running. I oh, love that. Oh, you used to change the dressing for me.
1: I changed the dressing, but before I change, I'd, like, I'd, I'd take the dressing off. Oh, don't, off and no, no, be, no. It'd be gunky. Yeah, no, let's not go and into it. it. And then I'd touch it. No, ooze. no, stop oh, it, because lots of people that. aren't, No. In fact, if anybody's like a video footage of me <laughs> we changing got, the dressing... Oh God, we have got that. ...squeezing the gunk... Out, oh, it was so just disgusting. Just let me know. I'll so send it you. So
0: David was kind of... I just had to tell them, you know, I, I sort of said I wasn't just being shit. I said I had an operation yesterday and I showed them this, my scalp. And then it was like three weeks after the operation and basically we were waiting to be told if they'd found any cancer cells in the lymph nodes, which means it might have spread. And it was just before Christmas on the 22nd of December... Actually, we phoned them in the morning and they said, oh, the results are in, but nobody's looked at them. Do you remember? Yeah. I went, "Okay, do you think somebody could possibly have a look and just call me back? It's been three weeks and they called back in the afternoon. Just as you walked in the house, you'd been out somewhere. And my phone rang as you walked in the front door. And I knew it was them and I answered it and we came into the studio and they told me and my legs, they said it was fine. They said it hasn't spread. We haven't found it in your lymph nodes. You're OK. And it had just been a year, really. I mean, literally January to December. Found them all in January.
1: That was your false results, though, wasn't
0: it? Well, yeah. Um, I sobbed like I've never sobbed before. Um, you just gave me a hug and held me. and <laughs>
1: We got the all clear, and it was like we had the most amazing Christmas bottles of champagne, and we were really happy. Yeah, um, I actually started
0: to enjoy everything that had happened. And because and, so you know, I was doing a lot of shows, and I mean, it's still virtual, I was doing all the shows I was doing in, in my newly built studio once they'd re- rebuilt the brick wall. Yeah, amazing Christmas. And then, February, beginning of February, um, I'm sat here in the studio and I'm leaning on my neck, playing the piano with one hand, trying to write a tune for something, and I found a lump in my neck. And I, I just kind of knew. I mean, it's easy to say that with hindsight, but I just knew. And I called the hospital. I called Mr. Kostic because he'd given me his mobile number by now, bless him. Um, so I called him and I said, like, I found this lump in my neck. He said, can you get in like this week? And I went in four days later, and they gave me an ultrasound and a biopsy. So I get there, have this ultrasound with a different guy, the ultrasoundologist. <laughs> that's not Is what, that they... what they're called. <laughs> no, that's not what they're called. <laughs> they're... What, what are they called? Ra- ra- radiologist. 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 Yeah. <laughs> I prefer ultrasoundologist. What do you do for a living? I'm an ultrasoundologist. Always oh, got an, he's an ologist. But as I say, I, I I did feel quite resigned at the time. I'd been through so much the year before that I I didn't sort of have anything have anything left. I was like, oh well, here we go. So yeah, 15th of February, day after Valentine's Day, they confirmed that it was a cancerous tumor in my neck, and they were all very surprised. All the doctors at the hospital. Well, we're very surprised because it we didn't detect it in the lymph nodes, so we're really surprised. And they're all just talking about it. You know, I'm sat there. We're very surprised it spread. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad I'm so unusual. Would you mind cutting the fucking thing out of my neck now, please, so I can get on with my life, hopefully? A lot of people have said, you know, oh, it's a shame you won Britain's Got Talent during lockdown and you must have missed out on so many opportunities. And I probably did. I mean, there was probably gigs and stuff and maybe a career path that would have happened if it hadn't been for COVID. But when they found that cancer in my neck, at the beginning of it was the um, 15th of February when they confirmed that it was a cancerous tumour. And they said, the earliest we can get you in on the NHS is the 29th of March. Cause Mr. Kostic had his own private consultancy, his own private practice. And I asked him if he could do me in his, uh, if he could operate on me in his private practice. And he said, yes, of course I can. Um, but obviously, you know, you've, you've got to pay. And I said, how much is it? And he said, it's around 13,000 pounds. And I said, well, when would you be able to do it if we went private? And he said, e- early, early March. And I came back and spoke to you, didn't I? And I just said, you know... the no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. I mean, there's no way we had that. We didn't have any money before BGT. We'd spent everything. Like all entertainers, I hadn't worked for almost two years. So we'd done savings. We'd done overdraft. We'd done government loan. We didn't even know how we were going to pay the mortgage. So winning the show, they give you a quarter of a million pounds. So we could pay the mortgage we could pay off all the debts that we'd got into and we could afford to pay privately to have this operation done a month earlier and i'm sorry you know if you if somebody tells you you've got a cancerous tumor in your neck and they're going to cut it out you kind of want that done sooner rather than later yeah, yeah. um so yeah it it cost it cost 13000 pounds and that was we took that out of the prize money um after I'd bought my mum a stair lift, all the interviewers said, what have you spent your money on? They all want to know. I said, well, and literally I had bought, the first thing I bought was mum was having trouble with the stairs and she didn't want to move. So I bought her a stair lift, which was perfect timing because that was a great answer. Well, I bought my mum a stair lift. I'm, oh, is he lovely? So we had the operation on the 10th of March few days after my birthday it was a radical neck dissection and they removed a record 89 lymph nodes from one side of my neck along with a muscle and a jugular something jugular vein jugular something, something yeah.
1: <laughs> and you were told that you 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 might not get the feeling back um you, you, one side of your face might be paralyzed yeah and also a... um your arm you might not be able to use your arm which meant you couldn't play the piano
0: yeah but that i remember being so matter-of-fact about all that because having gone through everything else the year previously there was a conversation before the operation that they have to have with you to tell you all, all the potential things that could go wrong and they said because we're going to be operating very near nerves for your mouth and your jaw and obviously all the nerves in your neck these are the things that could go wrong we could paralyze half your face um so you won't be able to smile again and we could paralyze your shoulder so you won't be able to lift your arm up and play the piano and they may as well it didn't matter i mean i i, I remember saying to him you know I said, what well, what's the alternative then? He said, well, if we don't do the operation, we could try and treat it with chemotherapy or radiotherapy, but it is quite a big tumour and we're not, we're not confident that, that would get it. I said, well, in which case, it doesn't matter what the potential side effects are, you know, at least I'm still here. Exactly. I, w- I probably wouldn't have been that matter of fact about it if I hadn't already gone through such an emotional time the year before. But I just wanted it out. I just wanted to get on with it and... I felt quite matter of fact about it, more than I did the year before when it was just the melanoma, really. I remember him waking me up after the operation. It was a, it was meant to be a four-hour operation, and it was because you were calling the hospital, weren't you? Because, again, nobody was allowed to yeah, come with me. Yeah. We were still, it was I still COVID, actually, blah, blah, blah.
1: I came and picked you up, finally, when they released you. Anyway, uh, it was a new scar for me to play with. It was amazing. Oh, that now, was a huge one, Oh, you scar. kept getting the infections in it as well, and... um. And then, what was it? Was it um, a staple? And they pulled the staple out that they'd left inside you, in your neck. That was amazing.
0: Listen to your voice. You get so excited about that sort of shit.
1: Oh, it was brilliant. And I remember, there's a video as well. If anybody'd like the video, please get No, you're not showing any Um, of those videos. And then you push the scar where all the scabs are, and it just oozes. Okay.
0: All right, stop. No, no, no. Stop. Enough. It's just... I've got a really cool scar on my neck now, but I remember not just a
1: scar, babe. You've got half your neck missing.
0: Yeah, I've gone down, a collar, I've gone down two collar sizes. Which is, <laughs> I, I, I I saw a few people after the, you know, once it was starting to heal up, people going like, God, you look really good, John. I was like, well, I do on one side because I've got this jawline back because oh, they that, cut. Oh, the
1: weight you lost when you had cancer as well. Yeah. And you were like, it's the cancer it's diet. It's the
0: cancer diet. People didn't know how to react to that, but it was the way I dealt with it. Oh, cancer and comedy. I mean, I you know, you've got to laugh about it. <laughs> operation was on march the 10th and it was march the 17th and i couldn't breathe and, and that,
1: you were like babe i can't get right and you i'm like we left what? it for about
0: 15 minutes and it gradually got worse and then you called an ambulance and by now i was about to pass out i was really lightheaded and the ambulance came um and because i'd had this what it turned out to be a seven hour operation the the neck dissection it was meant to be four hours and it was seven hours i don't know why um complications anyway they they got all these lymph nodes out and so they see it could be anything it could be a their biggest worry was that it was a blood clot wasn't it because after a big operation like that it's quite common to get blood clots and if that got to my lung then it's sort of game over. So yeah they rushed me to the hospital and the guys in the back of the ambulance chatting to me and they can't give me any any drugs at this point because they don't know what it is they 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 can't they can't find out what's going on until we get to the hospital so he's giving me oxygen um and then he's chatting to me to try and keep me awake I suppose and he said, um, "What what what was the operation? What have you had done, sort of thing?" And so I'm, I'm sure they knew they had they had my records, but I'm just chatting away going, "Oh, I had a through the oxygen mask." I said, um, "I had a radical neck dissection for a cancerous tumor." I said, "But uh, I I had to go private because we got it done quicker." And so by now we get we get to the hospital and they wheel me in, and they put me in sort of the the A and E area, whatever. I'm in a private room that's got curtains around it. And as I get wheeled in, there's a guy on the bed next to me and this woman's leaning over him and there's a wheelchair next to the bed. And I'm really lightheaded at this point. I mean, I'm, I'm close to passing out but because I haven't had a full breath for almost an hour at this point. It's just short breaths, you know, so I'm hyperventilating slightly. All of a sudden, this nurse picks this patient up, slings him over her shoulder and throws him into the wheelchair from, from her shoulder and wheels him out. And my eyes... Went as big as dinner plates, and the the guys, the guys still stood there from from the from the ambulance, and I I managed to sort of say what the fuck, and he looked at me and said what, and I, I told him what I'd just seen, and he said that was a that was a CPR dummy, it was <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't a real person, it was a dummy, and I started laughing through the oxygen mask, and then he said welcome to the NHS, you're not private anymore, because <laughs> I had this image of this patient being thrown into this. Into this world. Oh, I've never laughed. And it was horrible because I couldn't breathe. But then I was laughing so hard.
1: Was she the same one who was asking for a picture when you were was, was yeah, nearly about to pass that out?
0: Was, that was that did make it into the tour show. Yeah. She kept saying, oh, my God, you won Britain's Got Talent. And like, um, and she's asking me questions about Simon and Anton Deck and Amanda and who's your favourite judge? And what was it like winning? And what did you feel like when you got the golden buzzer? And literally, I'm trying to talk, but I can't speak. I've, I've got no breath. And I, sort of, I just kept giving a thumbs up. And I said, I'm I'm happy to answer all your questions (gasps) as soon as you find out (gasps) why I can't breathe. (gasps) And it turned out I'd got an infection in my lung and my lung had partially collapsed and they had to give me antibiotics for my lung infection. That's that's all it was. It wasn't it wasn't a blood clot. Thank God. But It was just another thing. And then I started immunotherapy. I had a year's course of immunotherapy. Basically, the they give you body scans, full body scans, um, and that can pick up any tumours or nasty lumps that are five millimetres or bigger. But it won't pick up anything under five millimetres. So that's the immunotherapy that they hope that that will take care of any little bastard cancer cells that might be swimming around can and swim? it, uh, moving, swimming, dunking, grinding, whatever cancer <laughs> cells do. Little grinding. bastards grinding, clawing, <laughs> slithering. Um, so yeah the immunotherapy if there were any little ones they think they got them all because the touchwood because the um that's plastic um the immunotherapy at a year's course of immunotherapy which out of all the treatments immunotherapy is the mildest um and the only side effect is that i now have asthma which is a very rare side effect according to the uh, immunotherapyologist <laughs> <laughs> he said uh he said yeah it's, re- it's rare but you know it, it is possible so i now have asthma and i've got asthma inhalers and i wheeze a lot um but that's fine, I can handle that um, and so it was a it was a two year journey. let's use the word journey shall we that coincided with Britain's Got Talent and I've come out the other side and I've just got to say the NHS is absolutely in my case absolutely amazing. I mean yes, I went private with the operation, but then even my consultant said, you don't want to go private with immunotherapy. I think it's twenty five thousand pounds a session, and I was going to need twelve sessions, so you're talking what three hundred thousand pounds. So we would have been dead. we would have been skint again. Um, so they did the operation on the NHS on the a private and then they put me back on the NHS for the immunotherapy. And they were incredible. I mean, the follow ups, the check ups I've I have a scan every six months now for the next 10 years. They keep an eye on me, which is incredible, really. And now we're at the other side of it and i've written songs about it i wrote a show about it called against the odds which i took to edinburgh i wrote a book about it which isn't out at the moment but hopefully it will be the book's going to be called against the odds as well and it's basically everything we told you just now spread out over 60,000 words <laughs> in more in more detail i mean this is going to take editing as it is the this
1: pictures of the gunk and the scars yeah. there's no
0: there's a couple of pictures yeah yeah some pictures in the book if you want to see the gunk and scars it's pretty gross <laughs> And I also got to say, public at this point, you were amazing. That I, I you were, you were absolutely, because knowing how badly you were affected by your dad. I mean, I don't know if you did, if if you lost it behind the scenes, but yeah, I, I did. A few times. Did you? Yeah. Did you speak to your sister? Yeah. Yeah, because I know I never saw you lose it.
1: I spoke to my my mom a lot as well. Did you? Yeah.
0: Because we've never talked about that, but I, you never lost it in front of me. No. You I never. Haven't. I never saw you. I mean, I lost it a lot in front of you. I
1: couldn't. Wasn't
0: fair. Well, it wasn't fair for me to throw it. I mean, that's why I got this therapist in the end, which was good because I'd lock myself in the studio for an hour once a week and talk to this lovely lady, and she was great. She was. I, I remember there was a there was a, a a catalyst moment that I couldn't work out why why I felt as emotional apart from the obvious stuff, and she found it. She she kept asking me those questions. It was right at the beginning of the therapy. She said, "Do you want to hurt yourself? Do you want to die?" I was like, "God, no." The opposite. I said, the reason I'm not sleeping is because I don't want to die. I don't want to leave my kids and wife. And I don't want to leave my family. And then she said, do you feel like you've let your family down? It is scary. Even when I finally went, it is really scary thinking, what if? But if I'd have gone sooner, that it's what if? It's
1: for the doctor to go, oh, there's not, there's, that's nothing. Or like with my niece, she had a really terrible mark on her stomach and she was absolutely panicking. She went to the doctor um, and they, they wanted her to come back, you know, for, to have it removed. Um, it actually rubbed off because it was a bit of dried fake tan (laughs) but but what I'm saying is I didn't know that story yeah is that Daniela yeah
0: oh brilliant
1: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I mean you know she went and she got it checked out. What yeah, but how stupid did you? Is, okay, it doesn't matter how stupid you feel.
0: No, but at least make sure it doesn't rub off before you go and get it checked out. <laughs> if you've got a mole or a mark, just get 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 a bit. Put your finger, give it a rub first. <laughs> it, might, it might be a bit of fake tan. Um. Yeah. So when she said, "Do you feel like you've let your family down?" and I, I proper cried then. And I didn't realise that's how that's what was bugging me until she said it. And that's 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 why therapy. I mean, that was the the best thing to come out of the therapy when she said that. And once I acknowledged that and I realised that's how I felt, it was a relief. It wasn't a relief that, you know, I could still die, but the fact that <laughs> the fact that, that was making me feel like shit and you find out what's making you feel like shit and then you can you can address it, hopefully, and see what's going on. I really wouldn't have got through that without... But you know that. I'm just saying it publicly. You're amazing.
1: Oh, thanks.
0: I love you. I love you too. This has been episode three of Alphabet My Life. Cancer with a tiny sprinkling of comedy. Now you know the story. Um, Join us for episode four, which will be the letter D and Dirty Habits. That's going to be much more amusing. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll see you. We'll see you. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. This has been an episode of Alphabet My Life with John Courtney and Emma Young. Don't forget to subscribe and please leave a review. Thanks for listening.